section thirty eight of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter thirty six in prison sir good lack for what misdeed well she is a witness and may be a necessary one why monsieur bailiff put in Donne, you lay not all your witnesses by the heels i trow the alderman pleased at being called bailiff became communicative in a case of blood we detain all testimony that is like to give us leg bail and so defeat justice and that is why we still keep the women-folk for a man at odd times hides a weak in one mind but a woman if she do her duty to the realm of friday she shall undo it afore sunday or try could you see yon wench now you should find her a blubbering at having betrayed five males to the gallows had they been females we might have trusted to a subpoena for they despise one another and there they show some sense but now i think aunt there were other reasons for laying this one by the heels hand me those depositions young sir and he put on his glasses ay she was implicated she was one of the band a loud disclaimer burst from Donya and gerard at once no need to deave me said the alderman here it is in black and white jean hardy that is one of the thieves being questioned confessed that huh ay here it is and that the girl manon was the decoy and her sweetheart was georges vipon one of the band and hanged last month and that she had been deject ever since and had openly blamed the band for his death saying if they had not been rank cowards he had never been taken and it is his opinion she did but betray them out of very spite and his opinion cried gerard indignantly what signifies the opinion of a cut-throat burning to be revenged on her who has delivered him to justice and then you go to that what avails his testimony is a thief never a liar is he not i a liar and here a motive to lie revenge why tis the strongest of all the passions and oh sir what madness to question a detected felon and listen to him lying away an honest life as if he were a true man swearing in open day with his true hand on the gospel laid young man said the alderman restrain thy heat in presence of authority i find by your tone you are a stranger know then that in this land we question all the world we are not so weak as to hope to get at the truth by shedding either our left ear or our right and so you would listen to satan belying the saints ta ta the law meddles but with men and women and these cannot utter a story all lies let them try ever so wherefore we shut not the barn door as the saying is against any man's grain only having taken it in we do winnow and sift it and who told you i had swallowed the thief's story whole like fair water not so i did but credit so much aunt as was borne out by better proof better proof and gerard looked blank why who but the thieves would breathe a word against her mary herself herself sir what did you question her to i tell you we question all the world here is her deposition can you read read it yourself then gerard looked at Donya and read him manon's deposition i am a native of Apennal. 
i left my native place two years ago because i was unfortunate i could not like the man they bade me so my father beat me i ran away from my father and went to service i left service because the mistress was jealous of me the reason that she gave for turning me off was because i was saucy last year i stood in the market-place to be hired with other girls the landlord of the fair star hired me i was eleven months with him a young man courted me i loved him i found out that travellers came and never went away again i told my lover he bade me hold my peace he threatened me i found my lover was one of the band of thieves when travellers were to be robbed the landlord went out and told the band to come then i wept and prayed for the travellers souls i never told a month ago my lover died the soldier put me in mind of my lover he was bearded like him i had lost i cannot tell whether i should have interfered if he had had no beard i am sorry i told now the paper almost dropped from gerard's hands now for the first time he saw that manon's life was in mortal danger he knew the dogged law and the dogged men that executed it he threw himself suddenly on his knees at the alderman's feet oh sir think of the difference between those cruel men and this poor weak woman could you have the heart to send her to the same death with them could you have the heart to condemn us to look on and see her slaughtered who but that she risked her life for ours had not now been in jeopardy alas sir show me and my comrades some pity if you have none for her poor soul donya and i be true men and you will rend our hearts if you kill that poor simple girl what can we do what is left for us to do then but cut our throats at her gallows foot the alderman was tough but mortal the prayers and agitation of gerard first astounded then touched him he showed it in a curious way he became peevish and fretful there get up do said he i doubt whether anybody would say as many words for me what ho daniel go fetch the town clerk and on that functionary entering from an adjoining room here is a foolish lad fretting about yon girl can we stretch a point say we admit her to bear witness and question her favourably the town clerk was one of your impossibility men nay sir we cannot do that she was not concerned in this business had she been accessory we might have offered her a pardon to bear witness gerard burst in but she did better instead of being accessory she stayed the crime and she proffered herself as witness by running hither with the tale tush young man tis a matter of law the alderman and the clerk then had a long discussion the one maintaining the other denying that she stood as fair in law as if she had been accessory to the attempt on our travellers lives and this was lucky for manon for the alderman irritated by the clerk reiterating that he could not do this and could not do that and could not do t'other said he would show him he could do anything he chose and he had manon out and upon the landlord of the white hart being her bondsman and donya depositing five gold pieces with him and the girl promising not without some coaxing from donya to attend as a witness he liberated her but eased his conscience by telling her in his own terms his reason for his leniency the town had to buy a new rope for everybody hanged and present it to the borough or compound with him in money and she was not in his opinion worth this municipal expense whereas decided characters like her late confederates were and so donya and gerard carried her off gerard dancing round her for joy donya keeping up her heart by assuring her of the demise of a troublesome personage and she weeping inauspiciously however on the road to the white hart the public found her out and having heard the whole story from the archers who naturally told it warmly in her favour followed her hurrahing and encouraging her till finding herself backed by numbers she plucked up heart 
the landlord too sought a glance that her presence in the inn would draw custom and received her politely and assigned her an upper chamber here she buried herself and being alone rained tears again poor little mind it was like a ripple up and down down and up up and down bidding the landlord be very kind to her and keep her a prisoner without letting her feel it the friends went out and lo as they stepped into the street they saw two processions coming towards them from opposite sides one was a large one attended with noise and howls and those indescribable cries by which rude natures reveal at odd times that relationship to the beasts of the field and forest which at other times we succeed in hiding the other very thinly attended by a few nuns and friars came slow and silent the prisoners going to exposure in the market-place the gathered bones of the victims coming to the churchyard and the two met in the narrow street nearly at the inn door and could not pass each other for a long time and the bier that bore the relics of mortality got wedged against the cart that carried the men who had made those bones what they were and in a few hours must die for it themselves the mob had not the quick intelligence to be at once struck with this stern meeting but at last a woman cried look at your work ye dogs and the crowd took it like wildfire and there was a horrible yell and the culprits groaned and tried to hide their heads upon their bosoms but could not their hands being tied and there they stood images of pale hollow-eyed despair and oh how they looked on the bier and envied those whom they had sent before them on the dark road they were going upon themselves and the two men who were the cause of both processions stood and looked gravely on and even manon hearing the disturbance crept to the window and hiding her face peeped trembling through her fingers as women will this strange meeting parted dona and gerard the former yielded to curiosity and revenge the latter doffed his bonnet and piously followed the poor remains of those whose fate had so nearly been his own for some time he was the one lay mourner but when they had reached the suburbs a long way from the greater attraction that was filling the market-place more than one artisan threw down his tools and more than one shopman left his shop untouched with pity or a sense of our common humanity and perhaps decided somewhat by the example of gerard followed the bones bareheaded and saw them deposited with the prayers of the church in hallowed ground after the funeral rites gerard stepped respectfully up to the cure and offered to buy a mass for their souls gerard son of catherine always looked at two sides of a penny and he tried to purchase this mass a trifle under the usual terms on account of the pitiable circumstances but the good cure gently but adroitly parried his ingenuity and blandly screwed him up to the market price in the course of the business they discovered a similarity of sentiments piety and worldly prudence are not very rare companions still it is unusual to carry both so far as these two men did their collision when the prayer market led to mutual esteem as when night encountered night worthy of a steel moreover the good cure loved a bit of gossip and finding his customer was one of those who had fought the thieves at Donfran, would have him into his parlour and hear the whole from his own lips and his heart warmed to gerard and he said god was good to thee i thank him for it with all my soul thou art a good lad he added dryly shouldst have told me this tale in the churchyard i doubt i had given thee the mass for love however said he the thermometer suddenly falling tis ill luck to go back upon a bargain but i'll broach a bottle of my old madoc for thee and few be the guests i would do that for the cure went to his cupboard and while he groped for the choice bottle he muttered to himself at their old tricks again plaitil said gerard i said naught i hear tis nay your reverence you surely spoke you said at their old tricks again said i so in sooth 
and his reverence smiled he then proceeded to broach the wine and filled a cup for each then he put a log of wood on the fire for stoves were none in burgundy and so i said at their old tricks did i come sip the good wine and whilst it lasts story for story i care not if i tell you a little tale shard's eyes sparkle thou lovest a story as my life nay but raise not thine expectations too high neither tis but a foolish trifle compared with thine adventures the cure's tale once upon a time then in the kingdom of france and in the duchy of burgundy and not a day's journey from the town where now we sit a sipping of old madoc there lived a cure i say he lived but barely the parish was small the parishioners greedy and never gave their cure a droit more than he could compel the nearer they brought him to a disembodied spirit by meagre diet the holier should be his prayers in their behalf i know not if this was their creed but their practice gave it colour at last he pickled a rod for them one day the richest farmer in the place had twins to baptize the cure was had to the christening dinner as usual but ere he would baptize the children he demanded not the christening fees only but the burial fees saints defend us parson cried the mother talk not of burying i did never see children liker to live nor i said the cure the praise be to god nathless they are sure to die being sons of adam as well as of thee dame but die when they will twill cost them nothing the burial fees being paid and entered in this book for all that twill cost them something quoth the miller the greatest wag in the place and as big a knave as any for which was the biggest god knoweth but no mortal man not even the hangman miller i tell thee nay quoth the cure parson i tell you i quoth the miller twill cost them their lives at which millstone conceit was a great laugh and in the general mirth the fees were paid and the christians made but when the next parishioner's child and the next after and all had to pay each his burial fee or lose his place in heaven discontent did secretly rankle in the parish well one fine day they met in secret and sent a churchwarden with a complaint to the bishop and a thunderbolt fell on the poor cure came to him at dinner-time a summons to the episcopal palace to bring the parish books and answer certain charges then the cure guessed where the shoe pinched he left his food on the board for small his appetite now and took the parish books and went quaking the bishop entertained him with a frown and exposed the plaint monseigneur said the cure right humbly doth the parish allege many things against me or this one only in sooth but this one said the bishop and softened a little first monseigneur i acknowledge the fact tis well quoth the bishop that saves time and trouble now to your excuse if excuse there be monseigneur i have been cure of that parish seven years and fifty children have i baptized and buried not five at first i used to say heaven be praised the air of this village is main healthy but on searching the register book i found twas always so and on probing the matter it came out that of those born at Damfranc, all but here and there one did go and get hanged at aix but this was to defraud not their cure only but the entire church of her dues since pandars pay no funeral fees being buried in air thereupon knowing by sad experience their greed and how they grudged the church every sou i laid a trap to keep them from hanging for greed against greed there be of them that will die in their beds like true men ere the church shall gain those funeral fees for naught 
and the bishop laughed till the tears ran down and questioned the churchwarden and he was fain to confess that too many of the parish did come to that unlucky end at aix then said the bishop i do approve the act for myself and my successors and so be it ever till they mend their manners and die in their beds and the next day came the ringleaders crestfallen to the cure and said parson ye were even good to us barring this untoward matter prithee let there be no ill blood anent so trivial a thing and the cure said my children i were unworthy to be your pastor could i not forgive a wrong go in peace and get me as many children as may be that by the double fees the cure you love may miss starvation and the bishop often told the story and it kept his memory of the cure alive and at last he shifted him to a decent parish where he can offer a glass of old madoc to such as are worthy of it their name it is not legion a light broke in upon gerard his countenance showed it ay said his host i am that cure so now thou canst guess why i said at their old tricks my life aunt they have wheedled my successor into remitting those funeral fees you are well out of that parish and so am i the cure's little niece burst in uncle the way la a stranger and burst out the cure rose directly but would not part with gerard wet thy beard once more and come with me in the church porch they found the sexton with a huge pair of scales and weights of all sizes several humble persons were standing by and soon a woman stepped forward with a sickly child and said be it heavy be it light i vow in rye meal of the best whate'er this child shall weigh and the same will duly pay to holy church and if he shall cast his trouble pray good people for this child and for me his mother hither come in dole and care the child was weighed and yelled as if the scale had been the font courage dame cried gerard this is a good sign there is plenty of life here to battle its trouble now blessed be the tongue that tells me so said the poor woman she hushed her pondering against her bosom and stood aloof watching whilst another woman brought her child to scale but presently a loud dictatorial voice was heard way there make way for the seigneur the small folk parted on both sides like waves ploughed by a lordly galley and in marched in gorgeous attire his cap adorned by a feather with a topaz at its root his jerkin richly furred satin doublet red hose shoes like skates diamond hilted sword and velvet scabbard and hawk on his wrist the lord of the manor he flung himself into the scales as if he was lord of the zodiac as well as the manor whereat the hawk balanced and flapped but stuck then winked whilst the sexton heaved in the great weights the curate told gerard my lord had been sick unto death and vowed his weight in bread and cheese to the poor the church taking her tenth permit me my lord if your lordship continues to press your lordship's staff on the other scale you will disturb the balance his lordship grinned and removed his staff and leaned on it the curate politely but firmly objected to that too mille diable what am i to do with it then cried the other deign to hold it out so my lord wide of both scales when my lord did this and so fell into the trap he had laid for holy church the good curate whispered to gerard cretensis in cadet in cretensum which i take to mean diamond cut diamond he then said with an obsequious air if that your lordship grudges heaven full weight you might set the hawk on your lackey and so save a pound Grand mercy for thy reed cure 
cried the great man reproachfully shall i for one sorry pound grudge my poor fowl the benefit of holy church i'd as leave the devil should have me and all my house as her any day in the year sweet is affection whispered the cure between a bird and a brute whispered gerard tush and the cure looked terrified the seigneur's weight was booked in heaven i trust and believe did not weigh his gratitude in the balance of the sanctuary for my unlearned reader is not to suppose there was anything the least eccentric in the man or his gratitude to the giver of health and all good gifts men look forward to death and back upon past sickness with different eyes item when men drive a bargain they strive to get the sunny side of it it matters not one straw whether it is with man or heaven they are bargaining in this respect we are the same now at bottom as we were four hundred years ago only in those days we did it a grain or two more naively and that naivete shone out more palpably because in that rude age body prevailing over mind all sentiments took material forms man repented with scourges prayed by bede bribed the saints with wax tapers put fish into the body to sanctify the soul sojourned in cold water for empire over the emotions and thank god for returning health in one one hundred weight two stone seven pounds three ounces one dead weight tonnage of bread and cheese whilst i have been preaching who preached so rarely and so ill the good cure has been soliciting the lord of the manor to step into the church and give order what shall be done with his great-great-grandfather odds what have you dug him up nay my lord he never was buried what the old dict was true after all so true that the workmen this very day found a skeleton erect in the pillar they are repairing i had sent to my lord at once but i knew he would be here it is he tis he said his descendant quickening his pace let us go see the old boy this youth is a stranger i think gerard bowed know then that my great-great-grandfather held his head high and being on the point of death revolted against lying under the isle with his forebears for mean folk to pass over so as the tradition goes he swore his son my great-grandfather to bury him erect in one of the pillars of the church here they entered the porch for quoth he no base man shall pass over my stomach Peste. and even while speaking his lordship parried adroitly with his stick a skull that came hopping at him bowled by a boy in the middle of the aisle who took to his heels yelling with fear the moment he saw what he had done his lordship hurled the skull furiously after him as he ran at which the cure gave a shout of dismay and put forth his arm to hinder him but was too late the cure groaned aloud and as if this had evoked spirits of mischief upstarted a whole pack of children from some ambuscade and unseen but heard loud enough clattered out of church like a cave rising in a thick wood oh these pernicious brats cried the curate the workmen cannot go to their nana meta but the church is rife with them pray heaven they have not found his late lordship nay i mind i hid his lordship under a workman's jerkin and saints defend us the jerkin has been moved the poor cure's worst misgivings were realized the rising generation of the plebeians had played the mischief with the haughty old noble the little ones had jockeyed for the bones of and pocketed such of them as seemed adapted for certain primitive games then in vogue amongst them i'll excommunicate them roared the curate and all their race never heed said the scapegrace lord and stroked his hawk there is enough of him to swear by put him back put him back 
surely my lord tis your will his bones be laid in hallowed earth and masses said for his poor prideful soul the noble stroked his hawk are ye there master cure said he nay the business is too old he is out of purgatory by this time up or down i shall not draw my purse-strings for him every dog is day adieu messieurs adieu ancestor and he sauntered off whistling to his hawk and caressing it his reverence looked ruefully after him cretensis incidit in cretensum said he sorrowfully i thought i had him save for a dozen masses yet i blame him not but that young ne'er-do-weel which did trundle his ancestor's skull at us for who could venerate his great-great-grandsire and play football with his head well it behooves us to be better christians than he is so they gathered the bones reverently and the cure locked them up and forbade the workman who now entered the church to close up the pillar till he should recover by threats of the church's wrath every atom of my lord and he showed gerard a famous shrine in the church before it were the usual gifts of tapers etc there was also a wax image of a falcon most curiously moulded and coloured to the life eyes and all gerard's eye fell at once on this and he expressed the liveliest admiration the cure assented then gerard asked could the saint have loved hawking the cure laughed at his simplicity nay tis but a statuary hawk when they have a bird of gentle breed they cannot train they make his image and send it to this shrine with a present and pray the saint to work upon the stubborn mind of the original and make it ductile as wax that is the notion and methinks a reasonable one too gerard assented but alack reverend sir were i a saint methinks i should side with the innocent dove rather than with the cruel hawk that rends her by saint daigne you are right said the cure but que voulez-vous the saints are debonair and have been flesh themselves and no man's frailty and absurdity tis the bishop of avignon sent this one what do bishops hawk in this country one and all every noble person hawks and lives with hawk on wrist why my lord abbot hard by and his lordship that has just parted from us had a two years feud as to where they should put their hawks down on that very altar there each claimed the right hand of the altar for his bird what desecration nay nay thou knowest we make them doff both glove and hawk to take the blessed eucharist their jewelled gloves will they give to a servant or simple christian to hold but their beloved hawks they will put down on no place less than the altar gerard inquired how the battle of the hawks ended why the abbot he yielded as the church yields to laymen he searched ancient books and found that the left hand was the more honourable being in truth the right hand since the altar is east but looks westward so he gave my lord the soi-disant right hand and contented himself with the real right hand and even so may the church still outwit the lay nobles and their arrogance saving your presence nay sir i honour the church i am convent-bred and owe all i have and am to holy church ah that accounts for my sudden liking to thee art a gracious youth come and see me whenever thou wilt gerard took this as a hint that he might go now it jumped with his own wish for he was curious to hear what Danya had seen and done all this time he made his reverence and walked out of the church but was no sooner clear of it than he set off to run with all his might and tearing round a corner ran into a large stomach whose owner clutched him to keep himself steady under the shock but did not release his hold on regaining his equilibrium let go man said gerard not so you are my prisoner prisoner ay what for in heaven's name what for why sorcery sorcery 
sorcery end of section 38